0: The Laughter Permitted Podcast is brought to you by Ally. Do it right. What up, what
1: up, what up, Dope Village? I'm Julie Fowdy, alongside Len Ozawi. Hi, Len. Hi, Julie. So, Jules, this is very cool. Our guest today, not only a rad human, she mm-hmm. is a card-carrying member of the Dope Village. hmm We are talking with softball
0: legend, capital L legend, Kat Osterman, who turns out is a big fan of the pod as you mentioned and a little teaser she comes in hot and i mean hot (laughs) she brings it up hot in the is a cinnamon roll a donut debate i think she gave you a run for your money i think you're wrong (laughs) glenn Uh, Along with being a fan of the pod, Kat is one of the greatest pitchers ever to play the game of softball. She's an Olympic gold medalist, also an Olympic silver medalist, and that one cuts very deep from the 2000. eight Olympics, we'll talk about that, a three-time Player of the Year in college at the University of Texas. She then retired in 2010 from Team USA as there were literally no Olympics for softball in 2012 and 2016. They basically got rid of softball and baseball for those two Olympics. But then with the announcement that softball was back for Tokyo 2020, whoop, whoop, Let's say a silent prayer that Tokyo actually happens. Kat is back in action. She unretired and is now trying to return the Olympic gold to where it belongs with the mighty U.S. of A. So get comfortable listening. It's Kat Osterman. Hey there, Dope Village. Lynn and I have been involved in women's sports our entire lives and truly... We've never been more excited for what's to come in this women's sports space. And one big reason, Ally. Ally has made a commitment
1: to an equal media investment in women's and men's sports. And that means more money going to women's sports and more visibility for what these incredible athletes are accomplishing. Ally is on a mission to change the game for women's sports. So here at Laughter Permitted, we're going to
0: keep telling the stories of trailblazing women. And every time you listen in, you are part of that change. To learn more about Ally, go to ally.com. Hey there, Dope Village. As y'all know, Ally has backed Laughter Permitted since day one of our podcast as our financial ally. And honestly, Lynn, I might just tattoo Ally on my forehead. And Ally is currently on a mission to change the game
1: for women's sports. And get this, along with being sponsors of the National Women's Soccer League, Atlantic Coast Conference, United States Golf Association, and the Las Vegas Aces, Ally has committed to an equal media investment in women's and men's sports. And you, my friends, can be part of the
0: change by watching your favorite athletes crush it on TV by going to women's sporting events in person, by, I don't know, maybe listening to every single episode of this amazing podcast on trailblazing women. Because every time you show up for women's sports, you are helping move the game forward. You can learn more about Ally by visiting ally.com.
1: go hey Kat hi what up sister
0: how are you hi thanks for doing this
1: thank you I'm so excited I actually feel really excited that we're talking with you I feel I think uh having you as as a proud member of the dope village is really yeah. awesome
2: I love it um me and my my aunt is a huge uh she coached high school basketball for a long time but played um, collegiately herself and She listens to you guys and Sarah Spain and Rebecca, like everyone's podcast. So she's always, I think she told she, when you guys asked at one point, who should we have on? She's always like plugging my name places. (laughs) So as soon as you emailed, I was like, guess what podcast I get to go on? She was like, no way. And I was like, yeah. So yeah, you have followers in our family, but I think I've listened to every episode.
0: All right, Kat, you know the drill. Set the scene, sister.
2: All right. I am at home in New Braunfels, Texas. I am in um, my husband and I's office, which also doubles as um, you can see behind me, our, our my trophy room, so to speak. So my jerseys and some of my accolades are up in our in our room. But um, I'm at home right now on a break from training with the uh, 2021 Olympic team. And, Swaggy uh, wanted to say hi. She's saying hi. Hi, Swaggy um but yeah on a break at home right now um from training with the uh, olympic team and you know in the middle of our journey for cross our fingers july of 2021 right cross our fingers we're gonna talk about
0: that sister for sure (laughs) um but before we talk about anything i need to get to the most pressing issue in my deep dive of research Mm -hmm. of you i came to the understanding that you were a soccer player first before a softball player. So how did yes. we lose you? I am I not happy about this.
2: Um, I actually, yeah, it's crazy. If you had asked people when I was, you know, 8, 9, 10, 11, soccer was my thing. Um, <sighs> I lost interest because I was the athlete. Like. I I tell people, I don't know if it's because I was slow running or I was actually good at keeper, but they would do the whole, okay, you'll play keeper first half and then we'll let you go play another position. And then the game would be like one, nothing or two, nothing. And they'd be like, oh, it's too close. We need you to stay in goal. But when my team got to be pretty good and the ball's constantly on the other end of the field, you get really bored. And so I finally looked at my parents and was like, I'm tired of standing in the goal and not doing anything. Um, and so, yeah, eventually lost out to, to pitching where I had to be in, in the action every single play. But, yep, soccer was my first competitive sport. It was great.
1: Well, soccer's loss was softball's gain. Mm-hmm. And in doing my own deep dive into, into Kat Osterman, I found some commonalities actually between you and Julie. And oh, yeah. one of the interesting crossovers is that you each – started playing on the senior national teams for the United States at a pretty young age.
2: How old were you, Kat, when you started? Um, so my first tryout was in 2001. I was 18, and I was three days, three to four days after graduating high school.
1: And Jules, mm-hmm. how old were you when you when you got the call up, if you will? 16, so very yeah. similar. Wow. Still in high school. Sometimes yeah. I say to Julie, do you realize how unique that experience was to have that as part of your growing up so I was wondering what is that like it does seem like it would be a huge life
2: education it is Um, I don't think at the time I knew how unique it was just because softball was still fairly young in our development of all of our athletes into our national program Um, and I knew a couple years prior that there had been a junior national team but at the time I was young real young and not really fully into my talent yet to where I would have been capable of making that team but then when I got on the main national team and you heard everyone else share their stories about, oh yeah, on the junior team in this year or on the junior team in that year. And I'm just like, oh, I, I think I skipped a step that I didn't know most people go through. Right. I, I knew in the process that I was going to be growing up in, on that team. And thankfully we had veterans who took me under their wing and truly helped me. Um, Lori Harrigan was one of those. I think the second she saw me with wide eyes and kind of, any type of overwhelmed, it was like, okay, I'm gonna keep this kid under my wing and make sure she knows the ropes. And So um, she was very instrumental in me being able to grow up in that program and um, continue to be able to play for so long, um, wearing the red, white, and blue. You you don't realize,
0: to Len's point, you don't realize that you're around these amazing, badass, rad women who uh, create a culture and chemistry and a bond that is abnormal. <laughs> it's not, right. it's not like you get in the real world. And then when you get into the real world, you're like, wait, why can't I have what I had there? That was really cool. I want that.
2: Yeah. You don't realize that, you know, it's the experience they bring plus personalities. And it's like, yeah, well, you get this tight knit group that you do everything with for such a long time. You travel with, you do experiences, the ups, the downs of just not only your sport, but life being on the road and. I mean, I remember tours where, you know, you guys probably similar, you're on a bus and it's like, oh, for us, here's a soccer field. We're going to go run some shuttles, get back on the bus and continue the drive to the hotel. And some of those memories are some of our favorites. Some are some of the most torturous memories. but
0: Mine were more like, hey, there's a donut shop. Let's stop stop there. And... I used to be sponsored by Dunkin' Donuts, so they gave me a stack of a book of coupons. So literally, as we'd see a Dunkin' Donuts, everyone would start pounding. I'd keep them in my boot bag. Everyone would start pounding on the window for the bus driver to stop. Dunkin' Donuts! And we'd go in with all and our little coupons. pass out your coupons. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's awesome. And then the owner would get so irked because he had to, like, turn in the coupons for
1: credit. Yeah.
2: Um. So in how
1: long now have you been on the national team?
2: So, I was on it from 01 through 10, so first 10 years, and then um, left the national team to help our professionally grow um, after 2010. Um, retired from the sport altogether in 2015, and then unretired um, in 2018 to make the 19 and 20, and now 21 national teams. So, this is going on year 13 wearing um, the USA jersey. <laughs>
1: So, as part of that journey, there's another there's another commonality. This is the other one that really stood out to me, just in in knowing Julie and some of the some of the things that still are like a pebble in her shoe that just won't go away. <laughs> one of them is this country called Norway.
0: Ugh. Viking bitches, right?
1: And it's based on the fact that Julie won an Olympic gold medal, and like you, you won your first your first Olympics, one gold. And then in the next olympics each of you won silver and for julie that meant a loss to the
0: viking bitches <laughs>
1: biatches and no matter what all these years later you still seem really pissed off about no, it. no
0: i'm fine i'm totally fine with it
1: i just wonder why does a silver medal in a team sport sting so much? I don't know if you had that experience, Kat. Yeah. So I almost wonder if this
2: could be a therapy session in a way. <laughs> Talk this through. It might be. Um, I think it stings so much because as much as everyone wants to be like, oh, you won a silver medal. Like, you don't win the silver medal. The way the medal rounds are set up, you lose the gold to then receive a silver. And so it stings because you're that close to coming home with your ultimate prize it's hard to accept that you were that close and it and it, and it slipped away um, and then you have to come home and just hope and pray that it doesn't haunt you for the rest of your life to be honest I mean I came home swearing that everyone's gonna be like oh you were the starting pitcher that lost the gold medal for the U.S. national team and granted that's not the label that comes with my name whatsoever but you get so close and I think I've heard people talk about it. In fact, another podcast was that like Brene Brown had somebody and she was like, they should be so grateful. They have a silver and I'm like, you don't win the silver, <laughs> you lose the gold. Like the, the heaviness of losing that match when that's the match that you train for the whole time. And cause like them, I mean, it was expected for us to win a gold. Like that was the standard for my generation. Japan was our number one rival you know, to just, you have to sit and watch them celebrate and everything before you get to go on the podium. And yeah, it it's, uh, I can, I can attest it's, it weighs heavy and you may kind of accept it, but I don't think you ever really, no. really move on from it. And if
0: you had played that game nine other times, probably nine out of the 10 times, you would have won it, right? Yep. And that's the thing that like irks the hell out of you. I mean, the difference being though, Kat, I had the next Olympics, where we kept thinking, okay, we're going to have another shot at them, right? We've got in four years' time, and granted, that's a long time, in four years' time, we're going to have another shot to win the gold medal. You, on the other hand, not knowing this, softball gets taken out of the Olympics, and so you haven't had that opportunity. So you you miss the next two Olympics because there's no softball, and then you retire. I mean, how did that sit?
2: Yeah, that was the I think that was the hardest part of 08 and probably why it stung even more um, because we all knew there was no chance to redeem ourselves um, some of us played professionally together and in 2012 when the Olympics were on um, TV you know so many of our professional teammates are like oh are y'all going home to watch this and all of us are like no we're not watching the Olympics and like <laughs> we were so bitter because no. we don't get a chance to be there and it's unfair that we're not there and yeah well, that's the know. thing it's like the insult to injury yeah. Mm-hmm yeah, it was uh, definitely a hard pill to swallow.
0: And and it's like, you know, internally, you're not supposed to hold on to that. Like it's bad juju, but there's, <laughs> there's no way you can let it go. But I do think it's that holding on to it that obviously drives you.
2: Yeah, it does. It does. I think so many of us played professionally longer because of that. Um, I think there were some of us that probably would have retired a little bit sooner if softball had stayed in the Olympics for 12 and 16, like we would have maybe 12 and then been like, Oh, I'd call it a career, um, which helps um, our sport grow. It, it drives you, but at the same time, just sits, it sits and festers There's a small part of it that sits inside you every day. That just, but part that's a small reason why I decided to unretire. And then obviously uh-huh, in 19, 19-
0: there it is. I knew it was coming out. Yeah, There's a,
2: there's a small part of me that, you know, it's that chance. Um, there's another part that it's, you know, if I have the talent and the ability to be able to help our country getting that gold medal match again. I felt like I needed to do it, um, for myself and for others both. But I will say the first time we played Japan in a championship game, even though it was just our international cup here in the United States, um, we won and I was just like, yes, like every win against them after that is just, it it makes you feel a
1: little bit better. And when you say come back so essentially what happened is that softball, it was announced would be back in the Olympics for 2020, Mm -hmm. what was your why?
2: in coming back then so when i first found out we were back in the olympics i just i was retired and i said oh cool that's great like another generation of athletes gets to go for a gold (laughs) medal this is awesome um and then a few teammates had talked to me about you know hey would you want to play again and enjoying retirement i was coaching at texas state university um i was enjoying that i'm like oh i don't want to have to give up my job in order to go play Um, you know, Julie can probably attest. It's not like we go play and come home with, you know, two, three millions of dollars like men do sometimes. And um, so it's kind of, I was, life was happening. I was earning my living, like, and then um, our national team head coach had asked me to put my name in the coaching pool. And I did because he was very adamant. And then when I wasn't selected as one of the coaches, (laughs) I was like, you know, what, I'm going to withdraw my name because I don't I didn't have, I was unfazed, not getting selected. And I'm like, if I'm unfazed, I'm not invested in it. Mm. And so unfazed, not getting selected as a coach. Yes. And then I had to think, okay, why am I not invested in it? And part of the reason of why was because I felt like, give me a few, give me a, give me a proper amount of time. I can still do it. How hard was that though, to just pick right up again? It was harder than I expected. Um, I had been, you know, like most retired athletes, we come home and we train to stay fit and athletic to a certain degree, but not specific for your sport. And so lifting and running again, specific to sport. And then eventually adding pitching in there were nights, my husband was laughing. I was like, ready to go to bed at six 30 at night. I'd come home from softball practice with, with the college team. And I'd be like, all right, dinner in bed. I'm good. (laughs) Um, And I felt like I was 70 trying to, to keep up with everyone. Um, And it was more the mental too. I think that was the biggest part that surprised me as I thought, and I don't know why I thought this, I should know better, um, but that I would get back on the field and just dealing with the ups and downs of the game would come easy.
1: Hmm. And it was
2: just like, well, one, you have to give yourself time to get back to playing the game. So the first time you see a hitter, you're not going to just pick up right where you left off three years ago. Um, But then just dealing with balls, strikes, umpires, the game, the emotions, I don't know why I thought that was going to be automatic, but it wasn't. It was anything but automatic. So I had to retrain myself into, you know, getting in your routine and mentally being able to stay in the game. Interesting. Because you would think it's almost like riding a bike, right? Yeah. You do it at an elite level for so long that you think, yeah, it's just, I'm going to jump in. Everything's good. As soon as I physically feel ready, boom. Like it's going to perform the way, you know, you used to. And it was nothing like that.
0: You come, you come back, you make this big leap. Right to say, okay, I'm gonna unretire, I'm gonna come back for this Olympics thinking it's gonna happen in Japan, your big rival in 2020. And then, of course, the delay. And still to to this day, we don't know. So that has to be hard. How do you deal with that mentally?
2: Yeah, that was a whole nother mental mountain um, to yeah. climb. Mm,
1: so mental mountain. Yeah,
2: it was. I mean, first it was, Hey, it's postponed. Um, then a couple weeks later, it was okay. It's postponed a year. Um, the original just flat out postponement. I assumed I knew there was no way we were, we were, everything was going to go off in July, not with as many countries that were quarantining and such. Um, it just didn't give athletes a fair training field. And, you know, you Julie, you've been to the Olympics, like that's their big thing. They want you to the best of the best. So if anybody's slighted and can say that, they couldn't compete at a high level there. I feel like they're taking that into consideration, especially when it's worldwide. Um, but then when they said it was postponed a year, at first you're excited because it's like, okay, we have a date in mind. And then about two weeks later, I just looked at my husband. I was like, we have 13 months. I have 13 more months of this. And I was, it felt like Mount Everest. I felt mm-hmm. like I was staring at Mount Everest mentally. Um, and it was just a chance though, too, like I pulled back a little bit in training, not um, not in the amount I was training, but intensity wise and, and giving yourself some grace of some days where if you are mentally exhausted, because, you know, working out at home by yourself alone yeah. in a spare bedroom or out on the back porch, whichever it is, it gets to the point where it's, it's mundane. It's boring. It frustrates you because you just want yeah. to be with anybody, a trainer, somebody <laughs> yeah. who just wants to sit in there and talk in between reps, anything in a gym or yeah, or in a I would gym. like to be in a gym
1: with my headphones on
2: right this to where at least you see other people but yeah it became a a mental a mental mountain that slowly but surely um started the way up so when you're facing a mental mountain what is your approach yeah so i hate to like use the cliche control or controllables but that's what i've really through covid through you know the postponement all of it Mm -hmm. you have to control what you can and so for me i had to look at be like okay what do, I, what do I need to get in? What would I like to get in? And then after that, fill in the kind of the rest of my day. And so um, there were points where I had to look at my husband and be like, okay, tomorrow I have to get this workout in. It's probably an hour and a half long. I'm going to go into the spare bedroom that we made into our gym. I'm going to close the door. Like, don't come bother me. Um, hmm. I need to get this done. And a lot of times he realized when I got the things that I needed to get done, just emotionally, I was a better person throughout the day mm-hmm. um, because there were times it's like, oh, I need to get this in. And because something else would come up, whether it was him or with my stepdaughter or whatever, I would put it off and put it off. And he's like, you get on edge, the farther we get into the day and you haven't done what it is you said you needed to get, do- get done. And so um, prioritizing what needed to get done. And then at the same time, finding a niche just for me, whether it's to read a book, whether it's just to go drive and listen to a podcast or whatever it is, like finding 20, 30, 45 minutes for me to do whatever it is I need to do somewhere midday. Um, but I just had to look up that mountain. And that's not something I've ever really, to be honest, had experienced before. Um, mm. I think first part of my career, I mean, well, prior to retirement, it's like you just keep playing and you just keep going on your daily life because that's what, is presented to you, um, every opportunity and you know how you have to train. And then, um, to not only come out of retirement, the first year went fine, but then obviously this hits and it's like, now I I don't know how long I'm training by myself. I don't know how long I'm not, I mean, it was 299 days from the time we broke as a team in Seattle to the time we came back together in January for the Mm. first time as our Olympic team. And that's crazy to think about. Um, and so it was like, you know, you didn't know when you were going to see your teammates again. And we tried to do Zoom calls, but then again, you know, people want to be able to go on their day and not have to plan everything around a Tuesday midday Zoom with your team or whatever. And um, so we, we did some stuff together for a little bit, and then everyone kind of went their everyday lives. But um, I just had to start really prioritizing and almost scheduling the time I needed to make sure I got the training I needed done, but then also gave myself that window to kind of let loose and go do whatever it is I need to do in order to just mentally kind of stay sane. Um, because, like I said, I hadn't, I hadn't realized how anxious I get when when things do get out of my control and mm-hmm. COVID and quarantine and everything um, really enhanced that.
0: And good that you've recognized it too. And that your husband recognized it. Like when you don't get yeah. when you don't get this, why happens? Yeah.
1: Oh, I think um, we can all relate to that through this, for sure. For sure, it's interesting. Yeah, it's interesting to hear it even at and the Olympic level, it's it's a similar feeling to to what all of us are have have been experiencing through this. I appreciate you sharing how you're approaching it.
0: Thanks. And and that you know thirty, forty, fifty minutes of just me time is such a, a critical one. I think that we're not great at that. Uh, as women sometimes of you know allowing that to happen so good for you for for taking that
1: time turning the page here a little bit in the conversation I was wondering if you'd like to nerd out a little bit on softball (laughs) okay Uh, a stat that's super fascinating is that you hold the NCAA division one record for strikeouts per innings and I did some math so that means during a game basically two-thirds of the outs came on strikeouts just like nuts. But what, what goes into dominating on the mound? Because you can, obviously there's a lot of natural talent, but would you describe it as a chess match between you and the batter? Is it where you're reading the person? Take us to the mound. What is it like?
2: I think a chess match is an appropriate, um, analogy, but then at the same time, for me, it's, uh, a lot of times when, if you see me shake off, it's, people are like, Oh, you're so strategic. And I was like, I, sometimes it's strategy, but most of the time it's just a gut feeling that this pitch Mm -hmm. is what I know I can execute at this point in time. Um, especially in college at younger ages. Um, I wasn't near as strategic, obviously as you learn the game, as you go professionally, but I knew what my strengths were. I knew I, how I could throw balls and make them spin and place them. Um, and so for me, I never could just rear back and chuck one, you know, 70 miles an hour and be like, ha, huh, you can't see that one. Um, I really had to be deceptive and had to use my spins and my different pitches to set each other up. And so I think one, a lot of athletes had not seen the movement, the way I moved the ball. And so sometimes I won the match just because they were guessing, but, um, I just had a very good gut reaction. To when I would see a hitter swing, okay, I know, I know your, I saw your swing path, and I know what you can and you can't hit next.
0: Um, oh no, no way! And <laughs> that quickly.
2: there's a lot of times it is that quick. And wow. thankfully, um, you know, you partner up with great catchers at, at certain points in your career too. And from their perspective, you learn things when you have conversations. And my last two years of college, I had an incredible catcher who we had conversations all the time within game, after game, before game um, about you know our plans and what we knew certain people did or what certain teams strategies normally were um you know it doesn't take us long to figure out I remember one game Kansas was literally waiting till they got two strikes I'm pretty sure their coach thought I couldn't throw three called strikes in and in a bat and huh. so after the first inning I was like I don't think they're swinging Meg and she was like yeah that's weird and I was like well let's first hit her let's see what we can do let's just throw two strikes like don't even try to do too much sure enough she took two strikes and then it couldn't you know swung on the third and I'm like yeah they're waiting until they have two strikes not the best not the best uh, plan in my mind but you know we would figure it out and and adjust our pitching accordingly but for me not being an overpowering pitcher as far as speed goes because that's what most people in our game focus on like they Mm -hmm. want the person that threw they want the Randy Johnson of softball and that wasn't me I was I was Greg Maddox over here just kind of dipping and diving balls in certain places um so it was kind of It was kind of like an art to just be able to to do that and set people up and then pull a pitch out that, you know, I've mainly maybe only thrown two or three times that game. And they're like, where did that come from? So
1: your ability to think about which pitch to pitch at the right moment, does that translate into other aspects of your life as far as that quick analysis? No, my husband (laughs) will tell you.
2: (laughs) Nope, my husband's already like, if you want a quick answer from me, it's probably not happening. Unless I'm really craving a certain food, other than that, not at all.
0: Uh, <laughs> that's no. interesting.
2: No. You don't use that assessment skill in your other areas of life. I think I spent too too much time perfecting my craft of softball. I didn't perfect too many other things. It's all right.
1: That's amazing. I,
2: I, I hear you on that, sister.
0: Alright, what's the next iteration of, of cat look like post-Olympics? Is it coach, teacher, philosopher? We've seen your daily dose of cat, which we love on Twitter, which your your little nuggets of wisdom.
2: Yeah. yeah, so um post-Olympics, I'll play Athletes Unlimited um the second season. So I'll be done with softball altogether playing wise um at the end of September of twenty twenty one. And yeah, then Yeah,
0: congratulations on crushing it
2: in that, Thank you. in that first season. That's such a, a cool thing. Again, another opportunity that I'm grateful I was given. I went in just to get innings and then obviously found, found my 27 year old self. I felt like, um, Mm -hmm. which, which felt good, but um, I'll play my second season of that. Then I'll be done. Um, I have gotten into kind of uh, the club ball, travel ball sector of coaching. Um, I don't coach a team, but I work with an organization called the Bombers who have teams nationwide, um, working with their pitchers, having the ability to share via zoom with, you know, 90 something pitchers across the country, um, different things from forming your routine to how to script your bullpens, things like that. Um, I'll always be coaching some way. It's what I've always wanted to do. Um, I loved college coaching, but I want to put softball in my life and not have to put life into softball. And then, um, got my real estate license last November. Hey, Um, now. Yeah. So Nice. gonna break into that slowly and then um yeah just uh i'd love to do some you say philosopher but some type of speaking um eventually i think when people can start to have in-person motivational speeches and stuff again um but my daily dose of cat became one week i just had thoughts while i was working out so i shared them and then <laughs> one of them caught on and i was like this is kind of fun and so now when i have nuggets that pop in my head or that i hear on podcasts or readings um i i share them so yeah Yeah. i'll do a little bit of everything i'm sure when i'm done enough to make my own schedule and keep myself just busy enough
0: just busy enough that that is the challenge with me is that well the challenge is how do you start saying no more which is one of your daily doses which is uh what was it let's give that one real quick which is my my constant battle in life Uh, If something doesn't align with your life, your goals, or even your plan for the day, week, month, it's okay to say no. I don't know if you heard our podcast with Dr. Colleen Hacker, but we have a a saying where we say, how does never sound? Does never sound okay? When people ask for things. That's my goal in life. That was a good one.
2: I got really proud of myself like last week sometimes. Someone sent something and like my heart wanted to say yes and I was like I have to I have to say no this wow this, you've told yourself that when you're home like you're not going to leave again like you're going to stay home and be present so I was like I can't sorry maybe in a year <laughs> that's better than than never yeah never wasn't the answer but I was like no I can't right now and
0: maybe we like, should start
2: rewarding ourselves for saying yeah donuts donuts every time you say right? no. oh donuts for do nice. we get to debate the donut cinnamon roll thing
0: heck yeah this could end the interview right now julie i've julie. been waiting for this
2: oh god yes. here we go
0: okay let's hear it
2: how can you have a donut hole if you there's no such thing as a cinnamon roll hole cinnamon <laughs> rolls and donuts are both pastries but they are not the same thing you fry a donut and you bake a cinnamon roll
0: okay but that's where i think i I need to get a donut shop owner on this podcast that's going to be our next guest because i do think that they sometimes fry a cinnamon roll you think they always tray bake them yes
1: because how are you going who's them specify donut shops
2: donut shops you can't fry it with all that cinnamon on the all gooey in the inside do you own a donut shop? Kat, can I you? Okay. I don't, but then have I don't know been, if you're qualified. Have you ever been to Shipley's in Texas? That's <laughs> big donut shop. Oh.
1: By the way, for the record, we should say that Kat got donuts this morning.
2: True God.
1: member of I the did. Dope Village. It's so
2: good. I do like the Dunkin' chocolate cake donut, though, too, but mm. Dunkin' wasn't open this morning because it's been iced I still over. love their chocolate crawler. Ugh. But no, cinnamon rolls are not donuts.
0: Oh, you, can't, you cannot be my friend Julie. anymore. Yes, we can. I thought can. I liked you.
2: All right, I'm going to get a donut shop owner on
0: this. We are going to settle this debate once and for all.
2: You had someone that came on and, and shared your sentiment, yes. And I was like, no. This is not oh, right. no, Molly no, shared Molly your sentiment, sentiment, actually. She yeah. says
0: there's no way that. What she actually said, can... uh, ma'am, have you never watched the uh, English Bake Off thingy or whatever? I don't British know what Baking it. Show? Yeah, the British Baking Show. I was like, no. Plus, you call me ma'am.
1: <laughs> All right, but don't, but don't
2: you don't you think if they occasionally fried cinnamon rolls, then you'd occasionally bake donuts? And you don't bake donuts. Well, you probably do bake donuts at home oh, somehow. Oh, but
1: that's a whole other. Yeah,
2: layer. no, I do
0: think there are baked. Oh, baked donuts.
1: Oh wow. Oh, this All is right. getting deep.
0: <laughs> Speaking of donuts. My squeaky oh. toy today. Hopefully Swaggy is not in there.
1: That was the dog game. toy
0: I was looking for this
2: morning.
1: <laughs> As we transition to the game, Julie, what is your noisemaker? Uh, it is a
0: um, Zippy Paws donut noisemaker that Swaggy, thankfully, is downstairs because she would be devouring this right now.
2: And Kat, what do you have as your noisemaker? I unfortunately maker? couldn't find the dog toys this morning, but we have a donut one that I was going to look for. Oh. So, in- so instead, I just have my husband's work keys. And the
1: theme of today's game is don't mess with Texas. Oh. All right. All the okay. questions are about Texas. Oh, come on. This isn't even fair. Everyone has a shot. They're multiple choice. It's got to be quick on the draw. Kat, you know the rules, right? Yes, I know the rules. Question one. What is Texas commonly called? Cat. The friendship state. Not one of the choices. Oh, all right. I should have A, the five star state. B, the sassy state. Or C, the lone star state? (laughs) The lone
0: star state.
1: Goes to Julie. Oh, Oh. Julie's up there. I know, see? This is the technicalities of the game. Let's go. Question 2. Where is the Alamo located? Is it San Antonio, Can't. Texas? There we go. I 1 to one. 1.
2: Okay. That's like 20 minutes from the house. So okay. I knew that one. Let's see, it's not fair. <laughs> so not fair.
1: Question 3. What what is the official state shell of Texas? Oh, come on. State shell? Who has is a shell? it? A. The mollusk. B. <sighs> the tusk shell or C the lightning whelk. I'm going to guess A the mollusk. Incorrect. Oh, I don't
0: know Oh, come on. Wait, same again? I didn't know there were state shells.
1: I didn't either. I know you learn you learn something I new every day.
0: California state shell is Yeah, okay.
1: Uh the options left are tusk shell or the lightning whelk. Yes, Julie. (laughs) I don't know. I just figure if I squeeze a lot of
0: enthusiasm, it's good karma. Uh, Tusk shell. Incorrect. Oh,
1: God! It's the lightning whelk. I can't believe you guys didn't know that. Doesn't everyone know that? that? Okay, one to one. Question four. Where was the beverage Dr. Pepper invented? Oh. A Waco.
2: A Waco, Texas. Correct. (gasps) I did not know that i love dr pepper yeah there's a dr pepper museum down there
1: really number five okay i gotta wait i gotta win this to tie it yeah okay what is the official state mammal of texas oh shut up (laughs) this is ridiculous is it a the armadillo b a white-tailed deer or c a (laughs) roadrunner Oh, I, I got to get in there early. I got in there guys I got You guys have first. to decide who, who I got, got, in. got in first. I got
0: in first. Me. A. Okay. Armadillo.
1: Correct. Oh, okay. Run off. Run off. What's your question? i break. Two to two. Two to two. The person who gets the closest wins. We're not doing prices right rules on this question. So the question is how many rushing yards did Dallas Cowboys running back Emmett Smith have in his career? You each get a guess. Closest wins the game.
0: I want to Google it.
2: <laughs> I know. I take a stab. All right. All right. I. Right. am like okay. hands up. We're not. I'm not cheating. You go first. I'm going. Uh,
0: let's say if he rushed a uh, thousand yards a season. I don't know how many seasons he played. Say he played eight. Eight thousand. Eight thousand. Eight thousand yards.
1: Okay. That is your guess. Cat. What
2: have you got? That's good because that's where I was thinking somewhere in there. Mm-hmm. Um I'm going to go 8724. I made that up. Hands have been here the whole time. I didn't I Google thought she was going to say
0: I'm going to go 8001.
2: Nope. 724.
1: The correct answer is 18355. <laughs> I win! Cat Osterman takes the game. <laughs> We were oh, so far. Oh my
2: gosh, we were only 10,000 off, Kat. <laughs> well, that's what I was like. Part of me wanted to say 10,000, and I was like, is that crazy? I'm not a huge football fan, even though I grew up here in Texas. Uh, my wow. parents are from Illinois, so we're basketball fans. And I wanted to say 10,000, but I was like, that sounds crazy. Right? You're way off. Oh,
0: congratulations. <laughs>
2: Thanks. I almost lost about my own state, though. That's pretty bad.
0: <laughs> All right, most pressing questions. Are you ready, Kat? i'm ready i see that you played for a green team when you were in softball i saw a picture you posted on instagram do you want to learn the green machine song do i want to learn sure why not do you know the green machine song i played for a green team growing up my entire life soccer team Nobody messes with the green machine. Nobody even attempts the scene. Nobody messes with the green machine because the green machine is mean.
2: I love it. Do you want to try it? We can try it. I don't know that I can keep on tune and all your shimmying, though. Nobody messes with the green machine. Nobody, nobody even attempts the, the scene, scene.
0: Na, 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 nobody messes na, na, with, the with the green machine, machine cause
1: the, the green machine, machine is mean, mean. Huh. Uh. alright next most pressing cat is a fellow tall girl I come in at about 6 feet I was wondering what your number one tall girl problem is <sighs>
2: um, there are a lot right? there there are a lot um, shorts and pants oh. are, are the number yeah. one Pants yeah, have gotten yeah. better over time, but I think some people forget that us tall girls, two inch inseams really aren't really great for us. They look Wait, a Why better. have pants
0: gotten better over time? Have your legs shrunk? No.
2: <laughs> yes. I, yes, my legs got shorter. Well, um, companies started, more companies started doing tall and extra tall. Um, and there are a few more just like tall, tall specialty boutiques or online stores. So it's been easier to find pants over the years.
0: Hashtag tall girl props next to hashtag daily dose of cat. Um, all right. Your high, low cheer cat, oh, you know, the drill high of your career, low of your career and someone you are grateful for who has helped you along the way.
2: Um, so high of my career is going to be the obvious um, winning a gold medal in 2004 um, was the high not only because it's the pinnacle for our sport and most sports in general, but um, being able to do it at such a young age, um, being 21 and being able to soak in the experience, learn from it, and honestly take that back to two more years of college um, was pretty incredible. Um, and I think that kind of springboarded my confidence in myself to be able to have a longer career than probably what I thought yeah. was possible. Um, low of my career, we'll go to the other obvious, um, losing the losing the gold medal in 2008, Um, Mm. a low mainly because when I came home, you know, there was a small bout of of somewhat of a depression, um, as we talked about just accepting losing that game, being so close. Um, and I think that was the first time I had to check myself as an athlete and a person to remember that what I do isn't who I am. And so not Mm -hmm. to let that kind of thing, you know, really dwell. Um, thankfully I was able to, to get through that, but I think that was there was a low for a while with that, but I just, I hadn't divided the two up until that point. Um, And then cheer. I have an incredible village of people that have raised me and helped keep me going. Um, I think, I mean, the obvious answer is my dad. He caught me for a long time. He continues to be the motivator. Even now at 37, he'll call and be like, haven't heard from you. How's practice going? How's training Uh going? Are you throwing well? And I'm like, if I weren't throwing well, Dad, I would call him and ask you what I th- what what's going on. Um oh. <laughs> so he's always been there. But I think the unsung heroes, um, to be honest, are probably my brothers. Um, hmm. Both of them were carted around from softball field to softball field um, at a young age. I'm three and a half years older than one of them and 11 years older than the other. And um, you know, the the youngest obviously was the most well traveled first grader. Um, by the time <laughs> you know, what'd you do this summer? And he's like, Oh, we went to China. <laughs> What? Uh, yeah but um they just they've been my number one fans as you know as long as I can remember as soon as they understood everything that was going on um both of them continue to this day if a jersey pops out they they want a replica of it you know they they have been my number one fans and cheering me on the whole way and um you know obviously made sacrifices of their own without realizing it for me to be able to do what I did what I've done Mm and continue they continue to you know they're both if tokyo has fans they're both planning on going and um you know they're obviously grown with jobs and such now but planning vacations still around their sister
0: (laughs) well sister thank you for taking the time
1: thank Um, you
2: guys i appreciate it
1: can i throw out an idea sure i think that three of us should get on a text chain and every time we say no to something (laughs) <laughs> yes we just send a donut emoji you know we, nice. we share it and then it's like you get donut yeah. emojis back like to yeah. celebrate
2: well cheers donut emojis yes. yeah
0: good one good one lynn okay i like it so rule of thumb when lynn has a good idea we go with it <laughs> we did indeed start that Hey, donut cheers. I said no. Text thread.
1: How has it been going for you? Not well.
0: Oh. <laughs> I actually did say to you the other day, oh, I forgot to send you and Kat yeah. a donut emoji because mm-hmm. I did said no to something and I'm so proud of myself.
1: You did said I did no. De- I did say no.
0: <laughs> I did say no. Um, I'm too damn nice, Lynn. I'm just too damn nice. Well, mm. keep at it. It really takes me getting to like a, "Ah, I am going to lose my mind. And then I start going, no, how does it never sound? No, how does it never sound? No.
1: I do think we need to dig into this with Colleen when we have her back on. Does she know she's coming back on? Did she okay with that? Who cares, really? She's coming back on.
0: (laughs) Okay, takeaways, Lynn.
1: I found it interesting when Kat said that when she decided to come out of retirement, that it took her some time to get back into softball shape. And I took that as a great lesson for all of us that when maybe we've stepped away from something to give ourselves grace, that it's okay, that it's going to be hard in the beginning and take some time. Yeah. Like my pickleball
0: takes a little time. Okay. My takeaway. I loved when she said, um, I want to put softball into my life, not put life into softball. Yeah. That was great. Um, My other takeaway is I'm getting a damn donut shop owner on this podcast to settle this debate once and for all. So if anyone has any donut shop owner friends, let us know.
1: I would say I think we need an impartial pastry authority of some sort. It's not Molly Sido. What about getting someone like Martha Stewart? I really feel like she would know.
0: (laughs) Sure. Martha. (laughs) <laughs> Martha, do you want to become part of the Dope Village, Martha?
1: If anyone knows Martha Stewart,
0: yeah. You know what? You gotta, you gotta put your dreams out there. You gotta say it out loud.
1: And we, it would be a simple ask that she would not feel like she would need to say no to.
0: And you know what she'd say to me, ma'am? Have you never watched the British Bake Off?
1: <laughs> <sighs> Molly's now a legend in this debate. Yeah.
0: Okay, questions permitted, Lynn. What you got?
1: This question comes from Elizabeth White. She is a soccer player at Case Western Reserve University.
0: Nice. Elizabeth Elizabeth.
1: would like to know the last time you laughed, not including on the pod. (laughs) Okay, this
0: is so weird. Okay. So for our Dope Village, I want you to know, Lynn does not give me the question, because I like to just respond spontaneously. I don't want to know. So I did not know what this question was. However, our conversation at the dinner table last night uh, with my kids was that I need to be more discerning with my laughter, disbursement, because Deck, my 12-year-old, says I laugh far too easily at everything. And... Like He goes like, like, right now, mom, watch. I'll, I'll say something and you'll laugh. And he said something. And what did I do? I laughed. But he's funny. He really is yeah. funny. He's like, well, what do you want me to do? Do you not want me to laugh? He's like, no, I just want you to laugh a little bit more, a little less. Like, so I am going to get more discerning with my laughter.
1: Julie, I completely disagree with this. And you here's do. why. Yes. One of my favorite things about our friendship, and I think it's why we bonded right away, is you and I both love <laughs> to laugh. We do not let a moment go by where we're able to laugh and let that laugh go unlaughed. So it has gotten to let the...
0: that. Do not let that laugh go unlaughed. Next podcast Here's the title. thing.
1: I would put this back on, on Declan, Izzy. I'm not sure where Ian fell on this. That they just need to be aware of what laugh you gave. Meaning? I can tell by the tone of your laugh just how funny you actually thought it was. Mm-hmm. There's the, oh, that was kind of funny, all the way up to, oh, my gosh, I'm about to pee my pants, or I am peeing my pants. They need to catch on to your subtleties.
0: Yeah, and that's on them.
1: Totally. Really.
0: I, yeah, totally so. On Do not unlaugh. Okay. You know where I get my laugh, too? I said to them last night, I said, you know what I realized in talking to my mom? Because COVID has meant more calls with my parents rather than being with them. And what I've noticed with my mom, Mm -hmm. Fruity Judy, as I call her, Fruity Judy laughs at everything. She is all about, like, she's constantly giggling at stuff, which is, I love about her. So I was like, I get it from Gammy! Mom, my mom.
1: Well, and Fruity Judy is a pretty vivacious woman.
0: Good question, Elizabeth. Thank you for that. Thank you as well. Would you like
1: to know my answer? Oh, yes, I would then. Totally would love to know your answer. I shared this laugh with you, in fact. I came across a video on Twitter that almost had me hyperventilating the first time I watched it. <laughs> is that the one you texted me yesterday? Uh-huh. It is of a guy... <laughs> was so funny. A guy trying to get into a website (laughs) where you have to verify you're not a robot by clicking on traffic lights and crosswalks. So I sent it to you and Colleen Hacker. The three of us have a thread that was started back when we had her on the pod at the beginning of quarantine. And we will send each other every once in a while, funny stuff. And, I also shared it with other friends, but I'm just looking right now to see what you wrote back as a point of, this is why I love you. You wrote back, this just had me howling. I feel him. I'm so happy to see others have same reaction. I'm not alone. So All caps. All caps. (laughs) So I fully endorse you laughing at things.
0: Just for clarity, that's when you have to like click on the... If you see a bus in this box press on it and 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 like they give you the grainiest crappiest like 700 buses in that photo photo it's it is infuriating i and this guy is so funny because he just loses his mind like is that a, i don't know if there's a traffic light in that box
1: or not i don't know <laughs> oh my god like, that is me that is me. Uh, Laugh. Share uh, laughs. Let's do this. Okay. Laughter permitted.
0: <laughs> Thank you to our dope village to for listening to this episode. And let us know what resonated with you. What brought you laughter? Mm-hmm. What? you are going to be more discerning about with your laughter or not leave us a comment go to our apple podcast page and rate us purdy please we would be so grateful if you do that thank you as well to ally bank our presenting sponsor and dick sporting goods support these fine companies who support you and thanks to our friend kate diaz for our theme music and last but not least a shout out to cats and and michelle yeah michelle thank you for listening you get a donut michelle and remember as always kids sing it with us Laughter
2: laughter permitted you fry a donut and you bake a cinnamon roll
0: hey there dope village be sure to check out america's caddy on espn plus hosted by michael collins he's the longtime caddy comedian and espn golf analyst who interviews the biggest stars in the game. America's Caddy is part travelogue, part golf history lesson, and part celebrity hangout. Full of laughs. Streaming now on ESPN+. Also, Daily Wager is a new podcast for all your information on tonight's games. Listen every weekday afternoon for the latest info on the biggest games and plays. That's Daily Wager. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.